Amen. Thanks, Pastor Roger. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Uh, from time to time, it has been our... Um, uh, by the way, uh, let me just start with this. Uh, I know everybody sacrifices to serve, but the parking team this morning, am I right? I'm so glad I got called to children's ministry, some of you are saying, right? Because it's, it's cold out there. All right. Uh, it has from time to time been our practice to uh, lay out a message, uh, have a message that lays out the state of our church, the plans uh, that we have uh, before the Lord for the coming year and beyond. It's uh, a part vision document, part uh, family chat. And uh, this morning we're going to do that. And we uh, know that we have just come off of uh, what I would say in the history of our church, 16 plus years now, I would say that 2017 was a pretty epic year. Wouldn't you say that? <laughs> Amen. And coming off of that year, there are just some things that I, on behalf of the elders, believe uh, that it would be good to communicate to you uh, in the context of a weekend service and not just a family chat or special meeting, uh, because going into 2018, there's some great challenges that are ahead of us, and uh, there's some things that we feel it would be great for you uh, to be aware of. And so I'm not preaching as I normally would, not doing the whole, like, let's get one passage in front of us and work through it. Uh, we'll get back to that again next weekend, but instead going to offer you this uh, statement of the church uh, message uh, this weekend in the hope that it encourages us, in the hope that it, it uh, engages us further in the ministry that God has entrusted to us here at Harvest. And I think throughout the message, as I share various things, one of the things you're going to be able to do, hopefully you're going to be able to do, is to look back on it and look at what I'm saying and just say, I'm, I'm thankful to God for that. And I want to glorify God for that. And I hope that various points in what I'm saying, you're going to be able to do that because uh, what, what I would say is that top to bottom, inside and out, every single part of this ministry is Psalm 66, 5, what God has done. Amen? It's what God has done in this place. And we uh, want to give him the glory and thank him for all of that. So I'm going to pray. I am going to read a passage of scripture that's going to get us started. And then we'll uh, start working through all of this uh, together. That sound good? Want to vote on that? No, let's just do it. All right. Let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Father, on this uh, first weekend of uh, 2018, as we gather together here as the church, we are so grateful uh, to you, first of all, for grace and mercy that has uh, saved us. And uh, Father, in your sovereign rule over all things and, and what a comfort that brings to us and the confidence that we can have knowing that you are king over all. And Father, you've chosen, uh, it seems uh, surprising to us, but you've chosen to include us in your plan to reach this world for Christ. And Father, the biggest part of that for us is right here, it's this church. And you've entrusted so much uh, into our hands. And Father, as we review that now, help us to go deeper with you and to reaffirm our commitments to the mission that you've put into our hands. And Father, I pray that in this and in all things throughout this year and until Jesus comes, we would bring glory to your great name. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's, um, let's get after a passage here, uh, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Um, if we ask the question, where can we find the best description of what a local church should look like? Acts 2, 42 to 47 provides that for us. There are a lot of other places in the New Testament that give us instructions on how to be the church, and Paul provides a lot of that, and Peter provides a lot of that. Uh, but in a narrative form, not a teaching form, but in a narrative form, 
a description of a church. What we have here in Acts 2 uh, really gives us the best uh, picture of that. And so let me read this, and then that's going to form a backdrop. We'll go in and out of the passage a little bit, um, but uh, let me read this as a backdrop to everything we're going to say today. Acts 2, 42. um, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, there's a lot going on in that passage. We could uh, spend a whole message looking at that. I think you could even break it down and do a whole series just on this particular uh, passage. There's a worship going on. There's uh, the the, uh, prominence of teaching. There's soul care happening. There's small groups happening, meeting in homes, meeting corporately together. Uh, There's a physical care for one another. There's prayer happening. Uh, There's evangelism happening. People are being added to the church through the witness of those who are in the church. I mean, a lot going on and all of it kind of giving us the principles for what we want to be as a church and really providing for us a model that we could aspire to. This is the kind of church we would really want to be. And imagine when you read this passage, imagine that that could be us. That we could all read this and just go, I wish that were harvest. I want that to be us. I want to work toward that being us. And so as we, with that as the backdrop and with us heading into 2018, let's consider some things that are going to help us get there. First of all, let's start with this. Two commands that won't change. Two commands that won't change. Because that description in Acts 2, the thing that I see more than anything else in this passage is uh, really love. The two commands that won't change are love God, love people. And I see this playing out in Acts chapter 2. This is a church showing love to God and love to one another. And again, we would do well this year to emulate as best we can what we see in this first church, first ever church plant, the church of Jerusalem. And in essence, what we're talking about doing here is creating an environment in which everything that we do is saturated in love a culture of love. And this is so critical for us in so many different respects. But if you believe John 13, 35, do you believe John 13, 35? Do you believe it? You say, I don't know what it says, but it's in the Bible. So hopefully you believe it. John 13, 35 says that by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. So as the unsaved world is looking in on this, the one most convincing proof that Jesus is who he says he is, that the Bible is the reliable word of God, that that getting into a relationship with him is so critical, the one most attractive thing about the church that will draw people in is that we love each other. 
And again, that's what we see happening in Acts chapter 2, this love for God and love for people. And so let's break it down across both of those. First of all, love for God. How do we manifest that? We love God by worshiping him. And Acts 2.43 actually says that all came upon every soul. In other words, they were living in this perpetual state of awe or worship before God. So not just the corporate gatherings, but when they were meeting from house to house and when they were helping with one another, helping one another and when they were praying and wherever they were and when, when they were sharing the message with the lost, whatever they were doing, they were doing it in this perpetual state of awe before the Lord. It's that 24-7 worship that we talk about, that my entire life really is spent before the Lord honoring him in everything that I do. And they had that. And, and, and I'm loving God. I'm showing God that I love him when I live in this sense of awe before him. So worshiping him and serving him and giving to him and striving to be like him in holiness. Now salvation, and when we start to put this love for God in perspective, salvation comes to us as a free gift. It's the grace and mercy of God that forgives us of our sins and brings us into relationship with him. Salvation comes to us as a free gift. So the Christian's love for God is an after the fact expression of our gratitude and affection for the one who forgave our sins, who gives us the abundant life and who promises us eternity. So love God, two commands I won't change, love God and secondly, love people. Now this comes to us in the context of Matthew 22, this scribe, this religious leader comes to Jesus and says, now what's the most important commandment? What's the one thing we ought to be doing? And Jesus says, it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Exactly what we just talked about. Love God in all the ways we can possibly do that. But then Jesus attaches to it, links the two together in a way you can't break them. But the second is like it, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God Love people, can't separate them. In fact, the loving people part is the proof that you actually love God. You can't say you love God and then not love people. That's going to prove that the love for God is not genuine. And if you want to unpack that more fully, uh, John takes care of that a big time in his first letter in 1 John. And you, he unpacks that entire thing. You have to love people as the evidence of your love uh, for God. And so when we love people, what are we talking about? We're talking about, let's start with love your spouse. If you're married, love your spouse. Your, your marriage is a picture of the gospel. Therefore, husbands and wives need to love one another to maintain that picture of the gospel. If you're not doing that, everything else is going to be a train wreck. So love your spouse, love your children, love your extended family. I feel that's unfair right after Christmas. Some of you are going to take a few months to get over that. You have to love them. Love your extended family. Love your friends. That's easy. Love your neighbors harder. Love your coworkers. Really? Love acquaintances. Love the powerful. Pray for those in authority over you. Pray for the governing people in your society. Love the down and out, the vulnerable, the marginalized, the weak. And even, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies. But I'm, I'm feeling like that list is fairly comprehensive. You feeling that? Love people. Love people. 
And to love, what we're talking about here, to love in this way is to put the needs of others before your own. It is a, 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 a willful choice, not an emotional feeling. We love even when the love is not reciprocated or deserved. That's the kind of love we're talking about here. And this love translates into a strong motivator for everything else you're going to hear in this state of the church message. What we do, we do because we love God and we love people. Everything else is going to fit under these two categories of loving God and loving a people. So that gets us started. Two commands that won't change. Love God, love people. And then notice this next, a zero time for complacency. Now, Jesus lays this out in Luke chapter 12. He lays it out in various places, Luke 12, uh, 40. And in this context, uh, people are wondering about um, the end times and how things are going to play out. And everybody wonders about this. We're all thinking about how uh, things are going to conclude and and when history is going to come to an end. And for those of us who are believers, we're thinking about when Jesus is going to come back. And they were wondering about this. I mean, Jesus hadn't even yet been crucified and and buried. It hadn't yet been resurrected, hadn't yet been ascended. And we're already talking about the end times and how it's all going to play out. And Jesus assures those of us who are believers that he's coming back. And so in Luke chapter 40, he says this, you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, Jesus is coming back. And it seems that even those who profess faith in Christ are going to be surprised at his coming. I mean, how's that even possible? that we would be surprised by it. That people who are apparently all in for Jesus and serving him and identifying with him and professing faith in him will be found, listen, doing profitless things when he gets back. Man, I I told you that this wasn't going to be preaching this morning, but I kind of feel like it's preaching, don't you? (laughs) A little bit, a little bit of preaching. How could it be that we, the followers of Christ, would be surprised at Jesus' coming, that we would be found doing useless, meaningless, time-wasting things at his coming. And it seems like that's going to be the case. I'm going to date myself with this illustration, but how many people remember the name David Cassidy? How many people know who David Cassidy is? There he is. That is a gorgeous mane of hair. And I would say that most of our elders would be jealous of that. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Um, David Cassidy, uh, of course, was uh, the famous TV show he was on. The Partridge Family, and uh, that was fun to watch. And he had a—he was kind of like a teen heartthrob of the 1970s, and uh, uh, sadly passed away just this past uh, November at the age of 67 from kidney failure. His daughter Katie, uh, who is with him when he died, uh, tweeted this: "My father's last words were, so much wasted time. So." much wasted time. And we're right here at the starting line of 2018. There's 358 days left in this year. 
And I wonder when we spend all of those and we're at the end of this coming year and we look back on it, would we have the same feeling about the year? That 2018 was so much wasted time or will we rise out of our complacency and our comfort to say, you know what, this year some changes are being made. I'm going all in for Jesus in a way that no matter what I'm doing at any moment of any day, if that's the moment he came back, I would be found faithfully serving him. That I will not be caught off guard by the return of Jesus should it be this year. So that's the warning, and I think the warning comes to us both as a church, corporately, so Harvest, let's listen up to this part, and then it comes to us personally, each individual in the room, whether you're part of this Harvest family or not, you can take this to the bank. But first of all, as a church, let me say this on behalf of our elders, we're going to resist the temptation to fall into normal church Normal church mode with this facility getting too comfortable and too churchy. All right, this is a comfortable church. This is way comfortable than our last two places, right? We got, we got nicer chairs. Y'all are comfortable. We have a nice cafe. It serves good coffee. We don't have to set this thing up. No one's stacking chairs at the end of it. It's comfortable. It's nice. And we like it. But the point of the church is not to be comfortable in any respect. We're to continue to be pressing in and God, how are you challenging us? And where can we go? And what more can we do? And in the sense of being churchy, I hope you understand what I mean here. Not so enamored by our building, not so enamored by our programs, and not so enamored with each other, and just so comfortable with all of that, that we just fall into this little, we're just this little church group. We're just churchy. I mean, I don't want that, do you? We had a mission to accomplish. and We need to go after it. And so uh, resist the temptation to fall into normal church mode and then um, also zero time uh, that will go in or zero effort that will be given to things that don't matter. And um, we're going to reaffirm our focus on what we call simple church. And uh, so not multiple programs that make us busy. We will not consider it a success. I've said this before. It will not be considered a success if we have filled up every square on the calendar. That is not the goal of this church, to fill all of our time with activity. And so zero time for complacency. We're going to be on mission as a church. And then personally, uh, this applies to all of us in that we must give the best of our time, the best of our attention, the best of our energy, the best of our resources to Jesus Christ. We need to think about what we're investing in. And if we were to kind of step back and think about it a little bit and how am I spending the things that God has given to me, if he's given to you everything, and he has, everything you have is from him. Now, how are you using that for him? Because much of what we pursue in life is often our own comfort, our personal comfort, and what satisfies us. And the, missionary, the mission that we're given becomes secondary or worse to what satisfies us and not what pleases God. 
And I need to be auditing this in my life constantly. We all need to do that. And so what we're reaching for is engaged lives and effective ministries that help us love God and love people and make disciples, which really gets us to our next point, two commands that won't change, zero time for complacency, one mission that compels us. The mission stated um, by our church is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. Now we've talked about the great commandment in the spirit of the great commandment means we've created the culture of love, the environment of love in the church. That's the great commandment. But the mission is the great commission, which is in two words, make disciples, make disciples. That's the mission that's in front of us. And that breaks out into two categories itself. Make disciples is first of all, find new ones. Okay. There's people in this city and in this county who do not yet know Jesus Christ. And the mission that God has given to us is to tell them about him and invite them to be a disciple. A disciple is someone who follows and learns from Jesus. Will you invite someone to come and do that? Will you be about the business of finding people who don't yet know him and bring them? Two primary ways we do that. Find people who are not yet disciples and make them disciples. Uh, lead them to Christ. Uh, we use the phrase, come and see. There's a lot of people in your life who are going through crises and they're thinking about uh, spiritual things and they're wondering if Jesus has something to say to them. And they're open to an invitation from you to come and see. Come to my church. Uh, see what our church is like. Listen to the worship. Listen to the teaching. Come and see. But then also, there are people in your life, tell me if this isn't true, there are people in your life who won't come and see for whatever reason, and you need to, here's the second phrase, go and tell, go and tell. Meet them where they are, find them in their crisis, pray with them in the moment, tell them your story of coming to Christ and how he's impacted your life. And so make disciples first, find new ones, come and see, go and tell, all of that modeled in the New Testament. Then secondly, make disciples, train, teach, equip existing ones. Train, teach, equip existing disciples. This room is filled with existing disciples, people who've already made their commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And churches sometimes agonize a lot over, well, what's your discipleship process and how do you help people become more devoted followers and looking for some kind of specific program that helps people become disciples. And that can work and, and I think that's wonderful. Now, do you wanna know what our discipleship program is? Would you like to know? Okay, I'll ask the question again. We'll see how we do it. Would you like to know what our discipleship program is? <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for working with me. Here it is. Our discipleship program starts with our youngest children, Harvest Kids, where we get them into a context where they have people who love them and who will teach them the word of God and model Christ to them. It's in our Awana program where we help them to memorize the word of God and do so in just a super fun context. It continues on with our high five. And then as they... Uh, get a little older into harvest youth. And this is why it's so important, parents, that you make sure that your, your junior and senior high children are in youth on Sunday nights, to hear the teaching and to be in small group uh, with their leaders and with their peers and wrestling through matters of discipleship. 
continues on to harvest young adults. And as you enter into adulthood and get into a small group or your life on life with a dozen other people, when you have a church this size, you can't know everybody. The expectation isn't even there for you to know everybody, but you can know 10 or 12 other people real closely and be getting the word of God open with them and be praying together and be applying the word of God together and discipling and disciplining one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another in the context of small group. You can get into biblical soul care and be, be uh, in our steps class and be taking leadership 101 and 201, et cetera, and into our essentials class. And all of this, as you're doing it, is discipleship. This is the way we bring people to maturity in Christ. And every single person in the room needs this because none of us have arrived. I mean, the closest is probably Pastor Roger. And he's even got a lot of work to do. I have a list of things for Roger that he's working on. And um, what I don't have, Margaret has for sure. Um, So even Pastor Roger needs to be constantly discipled. And growing in the ways of Christ, being part of these weekend services is a big part of that as well. We're bringing everyone to maturity in Christ and to realize the potential they have in him. And so make disciples, find new ones, train, teach, equip existing ones. And then where a disciple is found is in a church. I don't care how the church articulates this, but every church needs to be about these things. We call them the four pillars. And uh, these aren't just pillars for the church, but these could be personal pillars that we would be about unapologetic preaching. We would be about unashamed worship. We would be about unafraid witness. And we would be about unceasing prayer. Great things for every individual and awesome things for a church when all those individuals get together and bind themselves together in this way. And then this is all gonna come at you super fast. What a disciple is, we talked about this in the Made for This series about a year and a half ago, the five G's, gracious, generous, growing, grateful, and glorifying. We have a full five-part series on that. And then that's what a disciple is and what a disciple does, the three W's, worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ. Worship Christ is, first of all, I become a follower of Christ and I'm baptized as a testimony to my faith in Christ, and then I make the weekend services a priority. I'm a worshiper of Christ. And then to walk with Christ is I have a personal devotional time with the Lord. And we talk about discipleship. Ultimately, it's your responsibility. And if you're not making progress in your maturity in becoming more and more like Jesus, that's your responsibility. To be in the word and to be availing yourself of the ministries that are available to you to grow in Christ. And then to be in a small group is also part of your walk with Christ, to be again doing life, life on life with other people, and then to work for Christ, to find a place of service, not only here in the body of Christ, but then I'm gonna talk about 5,000 hours in a minute, find a place in the community where you can make an impact, particularly among the vulnerable and the weak. And so that's one mission that compels us. I feel that that's a 12-part series, what I just gave you right there. And uh, we could say a lot more about all of that. And so... Um, two commands that won't change, zero time for complacency, one mission that compels us. And now uh, this last part, eight things to know for 2018. Ready for this part? So this is the part that's going to sound a little bit less sermonic and a little bit more family chat-ish. And uh, let's start with a little report on our Made for This campaign. And uh, for those um, who are new uh, to Harvest, we had a uh, capital campaign 
uh, in uh, 2016 uh, to help us uh, raise the money that was necessary to uh, both acquire this facility and then build it out. The campaign itself was for the build out and the construction and renovation. So we've been into that for 14 months now. And I just want to say so grateful for how you who have made commitments have been uh, fulfilling those uh, commitments. The uh, targets uh, to date have been met. And I'll just say that our the goal is to have our construction, this is hard to believe, but our construction loan will be paid off, Lord willing, if we all make our commitments 24 months from now. By the end of 2019, um, our construction will all be uh, paid for. And um, in 2017, this is the progress we've made toward that, in 2017, $980,000 came in toward the Made for This campaign. That's awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Praise the Lord. And so we're making a big payment on the loan of this month. So that's amazing. Because you pledged over the amount that we had targeted, we also had all the money that we needed to renovate um, our office across the parking lot. And that is in a process right now. That's going to open up space upstairs on the second floor that we need for ministry. So we're excited about all of that. Uh, the, um, in this, this spring, because we've had so many new people that have joined us over the last year since the campaign, um, we are going to actually have some open houses for the campaign this spring after Easter. You'll hear more about it then. Some of these newer people that would like to come to that and hear our vision. And we have a couple of other projects that are unfunded at this point. We're going to put those in front of some of our new people so that they can join in on this uh, Made for This campaign as well. And if you want to know any information about the campaign at this point, uh, you can go to madeforthis.church. And on that, you're going to see videos and updates, including a video that we put out to celebrate the first anniversary of the campaign uh, just a few months ago. You can see all of that on that uh, website. All right, that's number one. Number two, let's talk about our 5,000 hours initiative, which I just referenced. And this is a primary way that we can show that we love people. And our current total since we started is 7,145, which means that currently our total is at 2,145 for our second time through. But here's what I think happened. We uh, got into this building campaign and we uh, started into construction and we made a move and we weren't thinking too much about our 5,000 hours initiative. And I think a lot of you have been serving in agencies, but you haven't been recording your hours. And so I would just encourage you to do that as an encouragement uh, to others. We're trying to create here a culture where this is just normal for us to be in our community making an impact in the lives of many and loving people in this community. And so um, this is justice and mercy. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of the gospel transformation that's happening in the lives of believers. And so uh, let's be sure to get after that. And, and remember, this isn't just about loving people. Matthew 25, Jesus makes it real clear that when you minister to the least of these, you're actually ministering to him. And so we want to be going after this in uh, Jesus' name. Again, the website address should be right there, harvestberry.ca slash 5,000 hours. You'll get all the details that you need about 5,000 hours, um, that initiative. All right, one, two, three, our church planting vision. This is uh, very close to our heart to start more churches, and we have been fully engaged in this. Uh, 10 years ago, two churches that we've been very involved with are both celebrating their 10th anniversary uh, this year. We planted Harvest Muskoka as a daughter church 
in 2008, and uh, just weeks after they launched in Glasgow, Scotland, we came alongside Harvest Glasgow as their coaching and supporting church. We, we supported both of these churches financially for years. We appointed the first elders in both of these churches. We have coached these churches and sent teams to these churches uh, to support them in their ministry. So we're excited about their 10th anniversary. Both are healthy and growing, and we're excited about them. In 2015, we took over coaching and supporting of Douala, Cameroon. And in 2017, we planted uh, in Yaoundé, Cameroon, just this past uh, fall. And we were also overseeing the plant in Bamenda. And so we have been involved in various church plants, and we love the partnerships that we continue to have with each of these plants. And in 2011, we articulated a vision uh, for a more local emphasis on Simcoe County, realizing we we have a very large county uh, here. And uh, how could we, and this was the thought that we had, how could we have a Harvest Bible Chapel church or campus within a 15 or 20 minute drive of every person in Simcoe County? And so in Midland Penetanguishene and Aurelia and Collingwood with Sega Beach and uh, the Alliston area and all around, how could we have a church within a 15, 20 minute drive of every person? So right now, if we break down our church planting into uh, uh, kind of local and national, international, locally, we're setting our sights on Alliston right now. And we are, okay, there we go. Oh, there we go. I love that enthusiasm. We are currently in the investigation stage because we are seeing more and more people come to us uh, from the southwest part of our county coming up here to church and investigating. We know that it's a growth area, and so um, we are doing the investigating to see if that's a possibility for us to plant a campus there probably early in 2019. And so this will be a year of preparation for us as we get ready for that. And so if you know people in that area that would be interested in this, have them contact us as we begin to build uh, a list of people who would uh, like to be part of a uh, work in Alliston. Nationally, uh, we have been investigating investigating a possible church plant opportunity in Trois-Rivières, Quebec. I would love for a church plant to happen in my home province. And we've been working with a young couple who currently live in Shawinigan, uh, just up the road, and they would move to Trois-Rivières and plant a new church there. So that too is still in the investigation mode. And then internationally, we're working with Harvest Glasgow uh, to uh, have a focus on not just Scotland, but the UK and the Republic of Ireland. And there is a group emerging in Dublin right now uh, that's a possibility for a plant, and we're tracking with that as well. And then in Cameroon, our heart, first of all, is to bring our three churches to a greater level of maturity, where they're more self-sustaining, and then also to look at further opportunities in Cameroon. And so I would just say a lot uh, in front of us with regard to church planting, we're trying to lay our hands on these things and be faithful with it all. And despite the changes in our affiliation, which I'll get to in just a few moments, uh, we continue to oversee the work in Cameroon with other Harvest Bible chapels uh, from the United States and the United Kingdom, and nothing's really changed there in terms of the work that we're doing um, overseas. We also have, under this uh, title of church planting, a new initiative. We have gone and found uh, a young man, or he found us. We knew about him, um, and we have uh, instituted a new pastoral training initiative. And so we are bringing a young man from Ghana, West Africa. His name is Isaac Ifa. He's been to our church before as part of the IN Network. He was a sponsor child, and a lot of our families here sponsored uh, Uh, children in uh, Ghana. Now he's 23 years old. Uh, He's very active in his church. He aspires to vocational service. And so uh, together with uh, Heritage College, we're going to be bringing Isaac here. He's going to do a four-year Bachelor of Theology. He'll be sponsored by this church to come. And then we're hoping to send him back to Ghana uh, to to be a pastor and to plant a church. So that's exciting uh, to be a part of as well. 
tonight. All right, you want to talk about money? Awkward laugh. Number four, finances. It's actually a pretty good news story. Uh, there's good news and there's challenge here. So 2017, let me report what I can about 2017. Our actual revenues uh, in 2017 for our operating fund, uh, $1.432 million. And uh, that's, that's a lot of money, and I'll tell you why it's a, it's a lot of money anyway, uh, but it represents, in terms of actual revenues, a 12% increase over what we saw in 2016. And I, I want to tell you how astounding that is, because we were in the midst of the campaign, we had increased costs because we had both uh, mortgage to pay for part of the year and lease payments on Timothy still, and so th there's a lot of challenge. You were giving a lot of money, and yet you gave a lot more in 2017 to the operating fund, a 12% increase. And uh, so good was that giving that we uh, finished $36,000 above um, the budgeted uh, needs. And once the expenses are all accounted for, which is uh, happening uh, right now, we expect to finish with a surplus of around $30,000 at the end of the year. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. So 1.432 million came in plus 980,000 came in for the Made for This campaign, which I already mentioned. You also gave 35,000 to the Hope Fund to care for one another. And then you gave another uh, 3,600 uh, through Harvest Helps in December. We've topped that up to 4,000. And so each of the agencies received at least $1,000. And then at the benefit concert, we raised another 2,000 for the Salvation Army Bayside mission. And so it was just an extraordinary year um, uh, in 2017. And uh, so grateful for all of that and grateful for your faithfulness in giving to this. And uh, so the weekly, what we brought in weekly in 2017, and I want you to remember this number was $27,555, $27,555. Can you remember that number? Because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. That's what we actually brought in uh, on average every week. So let's turn our attention now to 2018. And uh, we've built a budget that's, we believe, as tight as we can possibly make it, but it presents some uh, big challenges again for us going into this year, and there's some reasons for that. And first of all, it's about growth that we've been seeing. A growth always costs money. And so uh, we don't brag on numbers here. We rarely, if ever, report attendance numbers. And the reason for that is because they can often become a little bit braggy, and we're not about that. And so we don't usually publish that kind of information. Once in a while, we talk about it in terms of a management number because we have to know if we have enough parking spots, if we have enough seats, if we have enough leaders, if we have enough staff to manage this. And so what's happened is in 2016, between September and December, we were averaging 824 people per weekend. 2017, the same period, we are now seeing 949 people every weekend. That's a 15% growth year over year in that four-month period. And that reflects the first four months here at 7 George Street. So praise God for that growth. Amen. God is good for us. Uh, but as I said, growth uh, also costs us. And um, so um, this increases the work. It increases budget allocations to the ministries. It increases our need for some staffing and some key part-time roles. 
we're also bearing uh, this year because uh, this is our first full year of owning the building, uh, the full weight of utilities and operating costs on the building and then bearing the full weight of the mortgage uh, this year. So that's what's driving all of this. And so our budget for this year, remember now we brought in 1.432 last year. Our budget this year is going to be $1.62 million. And uh, this is the allocation of how it's uh, spread out. This is very typical. If you know anything about churches like us, we could compare this to all kinds of other churches that are like ours. And these numbers, these percentages would look pretty much the same. Compensation, some, usually somewhere between 48 and 55% of budget goes to compensation, 19% to facilities, 12% to ministry uh, funds. That would be like um, buying curriculum for Harvest Kids, that kind of thing. Uh, 9% to missions and compassion ministries, all of our partnerships, and 6% to administration and operations. Again, that's fairly typical. Now, the weekly number last year was what? 27,555, our weekly number this year, this sounds daunting, $31,178. That's what we need every week. Oh, come on, not an awe or an ooh or a wow or anything. Thank you, that's better. All right, so that, that represents, and I'm serious, this is a 13% increase over what we actually brought in in 2017. That's not insignificant. And so um, having said that, we're still not going to add anything to our savings this year, and we're not adding anything into an account that's called deferred maintenance. If an HVAC unit goes or the roof leaks or some other major repair happens, we are not yet setting aside any money for that. Now, the building is fairly new, so we don't anticipate anything. We can't, we can't not do that forever. By 2019 or 2020, certainly we need to be adding into our savings and into our deferred maintenance. So this represents a significant challenge in 2018. Again, you stepped up in an extraordinary way in 2017. God supplied our needs through your faithfulness, and we're trusting uh, God for the same thing this year. And um, I want to give you some assurances about how the money is handled uh, here. I don't have a lot to do it aside from presenting it to you like this, um, but we have some very competent people who work on this. John Kervink, who's a member of our church and a CPA, is our uh, church treasurer, and uh, he uh, acts as an internal auditor he serves the elders as an internal auditor. He uh, reviews all of our finances and he makes recommendations to the finance team and to the board. Wendy Brower, uh, who's in this service, uh, she uh, is our uh, finance director on staff and she does the actual work of keeping us on track and uh, doing all the uh, bookkeeping uh, for us. As far as accountability goes, we are members of the four C's, the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. We comply, I tell you with great assurance, we comply with all uh, requirements of the Canada Revenue Agency. We have annual reviews uh, with an external auditor, Smith, Sykes, Leeper, and Tunstall here in town, CPAs. Uh, they do an annual review of our books. We have an annual members meeting in June as a requirement of our corporation where we give more detail on all of these reports. Reports are on our website, and you're welcome to send any questions to us at any time about any of this. We're trying to be completely uh, transparent about how we spend the money that has been entrusted to us by you and by the Lord. And if you want to know anything more about our finances, go to harvestberry.ca slash give, and um, you'll see all of that right there. Sound good? Okay, end of the money part. Number five, facilities. Uh, over uh, the last uh, several months, we've been working through the last few deficiencies. Uh, Dan tells me there's about 20 more deficiencies we're working on on the phase one renovation. Those are almost complete. 
and uh, we've been tweaking this and that and getting used to the place. And uh, last night, you know, you have to go four seasons in a building before you kind of know your building. That makes sense? Like last night, I mean, how horrible to come to Saturday church and there was no coffee because the pipes were frozen. So there was no water in the cafe, right? Oh, sure, you ooh and offer for that, right? It's like, no coffee? Are you kidding me? Right? So, um, so that was rough. We're still uh, getting to know about sto- snow stories. I'm not sure how many parking spots we've lost, but we've lost uh, quite a few because of large piles of snow around the parking lot. And we've trucked a lot away as well. We've probably taken uh, a dozen or more truckloads away from the site already. Um, so uh, that's, we're getting used to that. Um, our office renovation, as I said, is in progress. We got a couple of in-process uh, so- uh, slides here. This is the office in the building across the parking lot. And uh, you can see that's progressing nicely. You can pray that we get our, our full building permit as soon so we can complete that, uh, hopefully by uh, early to mid-March. And funding by, for that, again, was all in place as a result of your generous commitments made during the campaign. The ex- staff's excited to move into that office, move out of the upstairs. If you're not aware, there's 5,000 square feet of space in this building on the second floor. And so that's where our offices are currently. We're looking forward to moving into this space and freeing up that space. Uh, Now, there's no funding in place for the renovation of the second floor, uh, but that space is usable as is with its beautiful carpet, dance floor, plastic chandeliers, and mirrors on the walls. So it's a great, great place for high five to go crazy up there, right? All right, so uh, we don't have a final design or cost estimate on the second floor yet because we don't have the funding in place. And I want to let you know, with regard to the facility, again, just so you're aware, this is not a brag number, um, but this facility managed more than 1,300 people over the Christmas Eve weekend. So we're grateful for that attendance. That is our uh, praise the Lord. That represents a lot of guests who came through the building during that weekend and both with the parking and the overflow parking we had arranged and just the physical facility itself, we know that we can manage a lot more people than that and so we're grateful uh, for that. Uh, Let me say a few uh, words about our affiliation, just a few more things to go here. Number six, um, after a very difficult 2017, it started out having a discussion with our Harvest Bible Fellowship about restructuring and decentralization of the Harvest Bible Fellowship. Uh, The year ended with the dissolution of HBF. And uh, so HBF no longer, Harvest Bible Fellowship no longer exists. Two new entities have formed out of that. And three Canadian uh, churches, including ourselves, have remained unaffiliated at this point. And our elders remain uh, resolved about this, resolved to remain unaffiliated as the best course of action for now. And I want you to hear every word in that sentence. Um, And so this is the statement on our website currently regarding affiliation. Harvest Bible Chapel buries an independent, self-governed local church currently unaffiliated with any formal association of churches, but maintaining relationships with other Harvest Bible chapels, vertical churches, and other like-minded local churches. So this has not affected our partnerships and work with other Harvests regarding church planting, doesn't affect us at all at the church level, doctrine, DNA, and our strategy all remain the same. We're grateful for the history that we have. Uh, uh, We were planted by Harvest Bible Chapel Chicago in 2001. We have been greatly influenced by the ministry of Pastor James uh, McDonald. We have the DNA of a Harvest Church and in church planting lingo where there are mother churches and daughter churches, I would just say this unashamedly, we are our mother's daughter and uh, we're okay with that uh, in in every respect. Uh, Post-Easter, the elders are going to be revisiting this uh, decision again 
and determining if we should join one of several uh, options available to us or remain unaffiliated uh, for now and uh, pray that God leads us uh, to that. Last two things I want to do is just introduce the team to you in case you're not aware of who they are. Uh, we are, uh, first of all, our elders. We are an elder-governed church, not congregational. And so the elders oversee the doctrine, discipline, and direction of our church. They are a true governing board and not a management board, so they are not into the details of the ministry at all. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. As a nonprofit corporation, the elders also serve as the directors of the corporation. Uh, the elders uh, who we have serving uh, right now, uh, Peter Millard is our uh, chairman, and he has been serving uh, for two years as of this coming March. Terry Codling has been serving with distinction since 2009, and will be taking a year off as of the annual members meeting in June. Clement Bamacoli, serving since 2011. Kerry Griffin is finishing his first year this month. And then uh, Dan, Pastor Dan and I both serve as staff elders as well. We have a rotation system of two consecutive three-year terms followed by a year off. And Dave McDonald is on his uh, year off currently. So that's our elders. And our staff team, uh, we have uh, 13 current staff members. We have five pastors. Does my picture look particularly relaxed? Like, what am I doing in that picture? I feel like I'm just like laying back. These guys are doing the work, everyone. No idea. They're all like up front, ready to go, and I'm, I don't even know what's going on. So uh, 13 of us, five staff pastors, uh, myself, Dan, Roger, Dwayne, and Jordan, pretty stellar team right there. And then uh, five uh, full-time directors and support staff, Jeannie, Wendy, and Thomas are all full-time directors. Joyce and Emily serve as full-time support. And then three part-timers, Alec, Stephanie, and Tyler, and we're grateful for a pretty awesome team here. And I know that we're in interview uh, uh, stage right now uh, for a 14th position to assist Jeannie in children's ministry. Jeannie's super happy about that. And uh, we also are still looking for a production director. It's a pretty specialized role, someone who will work with uh, Jordan to oversee all of our audiovisual and lighting uh, production stuff here in the church. All right, so that's our staff team, great group. And so you have a better grasp of how we all work together in tandem with the elders in the church. The church functions best when elders protect, staff leads, members serve. Okay, these three things. So the elders govern and oversee. They guard the policies, doctrine, and vision of the church. The staff actually executes and carries out the vision of the elders. They recruit, equip, and encourage the members who serve, who according to Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, do the work of the ministry. That's the role of the members in the church. And so that's kind of a snapshot. Again, a lot more could be said about all of that, but we have an incredible team, and I'm super grateful to be serving alongside them as we carry out uh, this mission that God has entrusted to us in 2018 or until he returns. Uh, we want to be faithful with all of this, be in an Acts 2 church and found working when he comes. Amen? That's what we're going after. So lots to be grateful for in all of that. Now in Acts 2, 42, it says that the church was devoted to prayer. And this is the start of our prayer week. And we're grateful to be able to launch into that prayer week with all of this in our minds, because there's a lot there to be thankful for and also to pray about. And so we want to launch this prayer week in the right way. And so this will run uh, starting today until next uh, Saturday. We have a worship and prayer night, as Roger said, on Tuesday night that we want you to come and be a part of. We have this prayer card that you've received and pray through that this week and get together with people and pray for all of these things. Be devoted uh, to the prayers of the church.